Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Olivia Stewart, president of Oxbow Rum Distillery. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Olivia Stewart, sitting in for Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. DIY. We all know what that means. Do it yourself. It's usually applied to home improvement projects, like why pay a professional to tile your bathroom when you can DIY? Well, whether or not you can successfully tile your bathroom is debatable, but there's one thing that a number of people at some point decide they just have to DIY, and that's life, especially work life. You can stay in your job doing what you do and be perfectly happy. But if you're not happy with the way things are, if you feel unfulfilled and you wish you could change your current situation, well, you can make the leap and DIY. That's what both of my guests on Out to Lunch today have done. Ronnie Anderson has a great job. He's the laboratory technical supervisor of Baton Rouge General at the Ascension and Blue Bonnet locations. But when his daughter asked him, why there were no princesses who looked like her in the fairy tales he was reading to her, and Ronnie couldn't find any anywhere, he picked up his pen and started writing. To date, Ronnie's written six books of fairy tales, united by the mythical Amberin, a place where young readers can find a diverse collection of people and princesses of color. Taking DIY to a whole other level, Ronnie also founded the company Rogue Star Publishing, to publish his books. Ronnie Anderson, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, and thank you for having me, Olivia. Nanette Gray called herself a legal drug dealer for the 12 years she was in pharmaceutical sales. Then, when pharma decided to part ways with her, Nanette decided to turn lemons into lemonade, and she created Lemonade Creative Marketing. Lemonade does marketing for brands like ExxonMobil, Blue Cross, Baton Rouge Community College, and many more. But you won't see Nanette's marketing ideas on billboards or TV. You find them on items like coasters, coffee mugs, phone cases, and thousands of other pieces of promotional material. Merchandise. A company can go online and get a million keychains made with their logo on it, but that kind of DIY is a bit like being your own bathroom tiler. It's not the same as having Nanette's creative marketing team devise a campaign of inventive promotional items specifically for your company and your clients. Nanette Gray, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much, Olivia. I appreciate that. Ronnie, let's start with you. Sure. It's all very well to follow your dreams, come home from work, sit at your desk, and write fairy tales. Yes. It's a whole other thing to start a publishing company and go up against those like HarperCollins or Amazon. Mm -hmm. Fairy tales are fun, but publishing seems brutal yes <laughs> how have you gone from zero to 100 and learn enough about the publishing business to successfully navigate your way through it mm, that's a great 
question and i will say olivia because i have um a background as a scientist by trade i am naturally a researcher and before i started i begun by researching the field and um you have to you know of course my story my daughter when she asked me the question dad how come other girls have more than one princess and we only get to have one when she asked that question it like did something to me and that caused a drive in me to go about bringing this I, I just had to fulfill this for her and I would not stop at nothing even though I was told you know the publishing industry is brutal there's tons of people the market is flooded I was like it doesn't matter. I want to make her happy. And, you know, today I've done that. And to see her uh, come in there and when I revealed Princess Beautiful to her, she was like, oh, daddy, she's, she's amazing. And to see my little four-year-old run around, daddy, I love Amber. Daddy, I love Amber. And I actually got the chance to go read to her uh, preschool uh, kids in uh, the classroom. And it was, it was pretty cool. So, wow. Yeah. That's such a beautiful story. Yeah, the real one. Yes, the real one. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, so Nanette, since the inception of the internet and now the advent of AI, everybody thinks they can do pretty much everything, uh, especially with their businesses. There are occupations that have been obliterated because of this mass DIY trend, like photographers and graphic artists have been largely replaced by the iPhone and Photoshop. And the belief that we can manage this kind of creativity ourselves um, is widespread. When you come up against this kind of mentality, what is the central argument you use to convince a person that you can create a better promotional campaign for their company than if they were to do it themselves? Wow, that's a, that's a really, really good question. And when you look at the, the do-it-yourself mantra and idea, of course, with branded promotional merchandise, you could simply go online, upload your logo. If you want 100 pens, you know, put the logo on there, and then in two weeks, the pens come in the mail. But if you're a company working with tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, the gamble of uploading a logo with the hopes of a company online being able to produce exactly what you're looking for uh, for that amount of money, it, it becomes more risky. And so that's where we work with larger corporate and institutional clients to kind of take the risk out. Um, we currently have a, pro a, um, a project that we're working on with one of the larger state agencies for a big convention that they have coming up in, in New Orleans this at the end of the month. And what they needed was 6,000 items for the registrants that they had. And so they could easily go online and and upload a logo for that, but what we did was we worked with them to look at what's the end goal that you're looking to accomplish, and then we curated merchandise that helped them accomplish that goal. So stay tuned on the deliverables mm -hmm. that are coming up at the end of the month. And what kind of risks exactly might people run into? Well, the risk can be very, it could be vast, especially when you're dealing with companies that have branding guidelines. Their branding guidelines state that their red is 485C. 
you know, or that the logo can only be this small, like an inch and a half, or the placement of it has to be a certain thing. When you're uploading it online or just dealing with what we call, um, you know, the cookie cutter kind of companies, that there's, there's a risk involved that they're not going to adhere to those branding guidelines. And so if, if you have a Coca-Cola Red, you don't want it to look, you know, mauve or pinkish, you know, and, and if you've invested, you know, $25,000 in that item, that's, that's $25,000 that you possibly have lost. Mm. Quite the risk when you're talking that large of a quantity. Yeah. Um, so, Ronnie, now we talked about uh, you work for the hospitals mm-hmm. here in their labs. Um, how was that shift going to <laughs> creative writing and then publishing on top of that? Uh, and do they inform one another in any way? So, I have a, I would say I'm pretty, I have a pretty good team. And I, um, I, during the day, I am a scientist. And I'm faithful over someone else's house. Like, I don't want to be, like, really working on Ambrin while I'm there. Even though I have people that are coming all over from the hospital and they'll knock on the door, hey, you're that author, you wrote this book, that's so awesome, I love what you're doing and whatnot. I try to make sure that I'm taking care of Banbridge General's work when I'm there because what we do is, is, is extremely important and, you know, our patients' lives, they, they matter and, you know, I want to make sure that I'm taking care of them. But when the clock is, you know, when I hit that clock out, point and it's time for me to go I am uh, a dad then and I'm ripping all running all over Baton Rouge trying to get my daughters to daycare and gymnastics and when I'm done with that and I've gotten them in the bed and homework's out of the way I'm now uh Amber CEO and chief visionary officer I'm doing the work then and you're doing the writing you're writing yes, the stories I'm, I'm writing well. stories I'm creating and I'm talking with people from all over the world and networking and it's a lot going on mm-hmm. I think um we finished um I had a zoom call at like 12 39 12 30 it was like 12 something I, no, I think it was one in the morning. Yeah, it was around one in the morning. So, and I had to be back up for work at like eight, and my daughters, I had to get them dressed at six. So, I'm, it's like daily for me right, right. now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it takes a lot of perseverance. Yes. No doubt. Yes. Well, that's amazing. How big is your team? So, um, <clears throat> right now, um, it consists of mainly me as like employed by Amberin. But I have a team of people that I'm working with, like the artist um, who's uh, Sita, she's in Turkey. And then there's my uh, guy who does my uh, design work as far as like posters and whatnot. And then there's the companies that we are assigned to and the agency that we're working with. So, uh, and those are that. all spread out They're across all spread the country all or over. world, yeah, it sounds uh-huh. like. From New York to California, yeah, to Turkey. So Wow. Yeah. And Annette, what about you? You have a team of about eight or so, is that well, right? Well, no, um, our team is six. Team of six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and y'all are local. What about the companies you work with? Mostly local or have you been branching out? No, we, um, we have clients that span across the country. And um, our team... Three actually work remotely, and three are here, well, including myself, 
are here in Baton Rouge. Okay. Um, but we do have clients that span across the country. Um, as far as, you know, when you both of you started these ventures, um, so let's talk about the startup costs and did you both need investors or was it just all out of pocket um, and own personal finances? You know, how, walk us through that. Well, um, as you mentioned in the intro, I used to be in the pharmaceutical industry. So when my company laid off myself and 1,400 other people, um, they gave us a, a parting package or a severance package. And I took that as the seed money to start the business. So made lemons out of lemonade. I sure did. Oh, no. <laughs> made lemonade out of lemons. Yeah, yeah, that part. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Turn lemons into lemonade. That's it. Absolutely. What about you? Um, I would pretty much say the same. I would say that it um it took everything. And um a lot of people, you know, would like to go into business. I would tell them that it's no uh it's no easy journey and there's a lot of sacrifice, a ton of sacrifice. There are uh, going to be events that you are going to want to attend that you may not have to you might not be able to go and um, there's going to be things you want that you're not going to be able to pay for because the business needs it and so I liken it to having a child um, when your baby's born into the world it takes about nine months to a year before the child's able to walk the business is the same way you there's no just Instantly, I'm a millionaire overnight or something I like wish. that. It's putting tons and tons of work into raising your child. It's putting tons and tons of money. So, you know, I've been fortunate to be in a great career and to use that money um, into the business. And, you know, so, yeah. Absolutely. And how many books do you have published? So there are six books published totally. Um, and we have a seventh book on the way. Mm -hmm. and, and where do you see... And, you know, you're on Amazon and things like that, yourself publishing. Um, where do you see the direction that Amberin can go? So um, our goal is to be in, um, to get into film and animation. Oh, wow. Um, we would love to, you know, be able to display our characters and our stories around the world because we're in the business of storytelling. And so... Um, yeah, that's like the ultimate goal. So talking with producers yeah. and, and yeah. the like over in California. Yes, or? yes, okay. yes. Because right now we um we do have uh, an apparel deal, and we have apparel on all of the major retailers from Walmart.com, Target.com, Sears, Amazon, you name it. And our books are on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble. Um, so. We're pretty much laying that foundation, and as people become more aware of us, they'll be able to have that access to be able to, like, grab our clothing and merch. And we have cups, and, I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. So, um, Sounds bags like Nanette and, could yeah. do a little something for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Olivia Stewart, sitting in for Stephanie Regal. I'm talking with Ronnie Anderson, author of The Amber and Fairy Tales, and Nanette Gray from Lemonade Creative Marketing. Nanette, let's talk about the merch items mm -hmm. that um, you work with. You know, do, you, do your clients come to you with a specific idea or I want exactly this or 
they let you have free reign and you come up with things. Um, how does it work? It's, it's a combination of both. Um, sometimes they've seen something out and about and they're like, we love this, we want to do it. And it's just a matter of us curating it specifically for their organization. But sometimes they, they don't know what they want. They know that they have a budget of X number of dollars to spend, and they know what they want to do. They want to, you know, reward a customer for their loyalty and give them a nice keepsake that they'll be able to to utilize. And so once we get the information, it's a matter of um, determining you know, what, what's out there that can help them accomplish that goal. And so oftentimes it's to excite, it's to engage, and it's to in- inspire. That's what the merchandise is, is meant to do. And just like he was saying, the storytelling business, in, in a sense, what we do is, is an offshoot of the storytelling business, too, utilizing the merchandise to tell a story for a company's brand. Mm-hmm. What items have you found to be most effective, or mm-hmm. a few examples, if need be? Um, I mean, if you think about organizations that have causes that are near and dear to your heart, T-shirts are a standard that, you know, you go to a, a race that's designed to raise money for a certain cause, and your daughter you know, was diagnosed with that disease of that cause. And so you're really gung-ho about supporting that organization. And so the merchandise that you receive from that, it has a a little bit of a greater connection. And so T-shirts have been around and have been used in, in storytelling and in connecting with brands and organizations for forever. And that's, it's a staple that, you know, it hasn't changed and it, it continues to uh-huh. stand the test of time. So Any in particular that you just feel are overrated or just ineffective or you tell clients, oh, don't waste your time with that? No, I have companies that come and say, I want the cheapest thing I can get for this. And it's like, you know, really listen to what you're saying. You're saying that I want to have my brand represented on this 18 cent pen that's probably going to break within Mm -hmm. two uses, you know, just for the sake of giving someone something. And so my goal is to help them, you know, reevaluate quantity versus quality. And so for the things that I don't recommend as often, it's going to be trinkets and trash, you know, Mm -hmm. things that are going to go into the landfill, you know, because that's one of the things that we're trying to do is to promote sustainability and if you go to an event and you pick up all the things off of these tables and it ends up being stuff that you really don't want all you're going to do is go straight from there to the trash to the trash to the landfill Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be a contributor to you know unwanted waste and so what we like to do is to help encourage our clients even if you spend the same amount what you spend on the individual item if you could make it more of value to the recipient, then they're more likely to keep it and to use it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm, I'm practical by nature. And so I love things that people can use, things that are very practical. Use multiple times. Yeah, over. I and mean, like we... That's the repetition of the brand. Yeah, it, like it, it exactly. And, and yeah. from, a, from a tech perspective, you know, people use their phones a lot. And so things that are connected to the phones, like phone stands or 
for, um, we do Zoom a lot, and we've seen a lot of faux pas with Zoom where people had the camera on, not realizing they were still being, they were still on camera. And we have these little things called webcam covers. I mean, they're like a dollar, but you got your branding right there on a person's computer, and it's just a dollar, and it's very, very useful. They shut it every time the call ended, the mm -hmm. call ends, so. Speaking of digital and technology, what with social media marketing and things like that, have you found a shift toward or away from physical merch items? I, I haven't seen uh, that trend where they're leaving physical merch. If anything, they're using it in conjunction with the social media. So if you're trying to send people to the social media site, oftentimes they'll have a promotion where they'll give away certain things to excite or to, to create yeah. engagement. So if anything, it's something that's creating another avenue for us to utilize mm -hmm. the merchandise. Now, y'all are both based in the Baton Rouge area, um, mm -hmm. some remote employees, some local. Uh, how do y'all feel about being based here and running your businesses from Baton Rouge? I think it's a unique opportunity to like bring Baton Rouge to the forefront, to be a player in the market, you know, to have companies such as yours and um, Amberin to be here and, you know, like, I know we're getting like uh, some kind of like national attention and to, you know, people looking up like, where is he from? Well, he's in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge? Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's pretty cool, you know, that we're, you know, bringing some awareness and some attention to us down here. Absolutely. Do you feel as you grow your client base geographically, um, Nanette, that people are intrigued or surprised that you're based in Baton Rouge or, uh, you know, how have you found it? Um, I, I love Baton Rouge. I was born and raised here. Actually, I was born less than a mile from this very restaurant right here off of College Drive. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm very passionate about my city. I, I moved away when I graduated from Southern to the Chicago area for 15 years. I had no intention of staying that long. I only meant to go get some experience and then come back so I can get a better job here. Mm -hmm. in that Baton was in Rouge. the pharmaceutical? No, I, originally it was in the energy industry, and then I left the energy industry and went into pharmaceuticals. Okay. And so um, I was in the electric and gas utility industry when I first moved. And so it was always my intention to come back. This mm -hmm. is where I was born. This is where my family is. My friends are the best crawfish in the deep south. This I mean, of course. <laughs> so yeah. I, I love being sort of an ambassador for the city of Baton Rouge. And, and I was just in Toronto, Canada a couple weeks ago at a procurement event in Toronto. And, you know, being able to, to connect with people to to talk about Louisiana and create some excitement for them to want to come in and visit us down here. So I, I love being based in Baton Rouge and when they're surprised and then, then all the better. Absolutely. Ronnie, do you ever get pressured to move or leave, especially now that you're venturing into some entertainment mediums and, and film and things like that? Yes. Um, all the time. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, so, because, like, many people can 
there was that first impression when they see Amber and they see all of the characters, they're amazed at how beautiful they are and, you know, the work that we're doing. And it's like, look, you got to go to California. You need, this Hollywood. You, you, you need to get out of here, man. We're too small. And, you know, I've, you know, currently I've chosen to stay here. And, you know, like how Walmart, their, their headquarters is. Um, Kenville, Arkansas. Yeah, in Arkansas. <laughs> and, Tried and uh, true. Look at, yeah, so, you know, Amber, I think we can do the same thing, but I want to be able to help here. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to, you know, help our community. Absolutely. Well, yeah. there's so many good reasons to stay here and do business here. I came back after many years, so there's great value in that. Yes, and I, I think also that, like, you know, for people to be able to see, look, look at what he's doing, look at what she's doing. And, you know, their companies are getting notoriety. They're on radio shows, and I've been on television, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing that from Baton Rouge. And, you know, hopefully we encourage and inspire mm-hmm. them to be able to, you know, do the same thing. Absolutely. We're all looking for inspiration. It's why we gaze at the sunset, read fairy tales, meditate, and dream about retiring. (laughs) You can find inspiration in all those activities, but you can also be inspired by people, everyday people. Here in Baton Rouge, we don't have a culture of celebrity, so you never know. The person shopping next to you at the store or stuck in traffic in the car behind you might have created a mythical kingdom for children or be creating inventive promotional marketing for one of the biggest oil companies in America. They might be Ronnie Anderson or Nanette Gray. Ronnie and Nanette, you both grew up here and live here like the rest of us. Your imagination, creativity, and your courage to chart your own path is inspirational. And it's residents like y'all that make it Baton Rouge a better place to live. It's been great to meet you. I look forward to keeping up with you and following your continued success. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you so much, Olivia. Thank you, Olivia, for having us and the entire Out to Lunch crew. Yes. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Annette Gray, Chief Lemonade Maker at Lemonade Creative Marketing, and Ronnie Anderson, author of the Anbrin Fairy Tales and founder of Rogue Star Publishing. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Amberin and Lemonade by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast on your podcast app and on our website. It's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. These photos were taken today by Eric Otts. You can find more of Eric's photos on Instagram at Acro, that's A-C-R-E-A-U-X. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Murrell. Today's show was engineered by JT O'Neill. The associate producer of Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. I'm Olivia Stewart. Thanks for joining me. Stephanie will be back next week here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to-
to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.